0: Unless someone has gotten in under the radar, there are no beginners, except in a profound sense, here. Everyone has had some retreat experience. And what better way to begin than by just beginning? Why don't we all just enter into a posture that's as comfortable and as stable as possible? If you like, take two or three deep breaths. And then simply allow the breathing to flow naturally. With no particular design as to how the breath is supposed to be. evening such as this, it might actually be easier to just surrender to the breath, let go of all extra effort. It's too hot to be neurotic. (laughs) (laughs) Just give it up and come to rest in the breathing. Just hand yourself over to the breathing. permitting each breath to emerge and disappear. And being fully sensitive to it as it's there. there's a gap between breaths to let that gap be and experience that as it soon becomes another breath Attention, finding that delicate point between working and striving, trying to get somewhere on one extreme and the other extreme being a bit too casual. Right balanced in between. It's both passive and active. Passive in the sense that we just let the breath be, active in the sense that a certain alert quality is there to meet each breath as it comes and goes. when our attention slips off the breathing and we find ourselves quite involved, preoccupied with anything that's other than the breath noticing it and just easing back to the breathing once again the easing back, being free of any blame any judging, it's just coming back. As we all know, we will be doing this coming back many, many times together before this retreat ends. So it's helpful if we can get into the spirit of repetition, not as something boring. just natural. No fuss when the mind wanders. We just come back and place our attention once again with the breath. And we'll be beginning the retreat this evening and certainly tomorrow emphasizing a practice that enables us to settle down See if we can't enjoy the such an utterly simple practice of sitting quietly and breathing. Okay. <coughs> the breath comes in and the breath goes out Please stay with your breathing as you hear the sound of the bell. Stay with the sound until there's nothing more to hear. This is Corrado.
1: This tradition, at the beginning of a retreat, we restate, we reaffirm our interest and our commitment to developing moral sensitivity, to finding ways of deepening moral sensitivity. Um, Intuitively, we always knew the importance of this kind of sensitivity. Whenever we come across someone who has strong moral sensitivity, there is some happiness which arises inside ourselves. So we knew the importance of this fact um, before we read some book about the Dharma. It it is a form of wisdom and, and compassion. having this kind of sensitivity. And it is considered in the spiritual path an important, uh, crucial uh, pillar for the inner work. Actually, um, it's a a very good way of uh, assessing the depth of our inner work, how much more sensitive we are to what is good, to what is right for ourselves and for other people. Um, The five precepts are one of the many ways of uh, categorizing the field of moral sensitivity. The first precept is uh, refraining from killing, or in its fullest form, a growing respect for life. Through the practice, through um, the retreat, Developing some more respect for life. Living beings, plants, objects, situations, people, roommates. Roommate, a roommate is a form of life.
0: <laughs>
1: Just in case. <coughs> And uh, roommate shortcomings also the form of life to be respected. And um, in a retreat, we have nothing else to do. R- developing respect is a major part of uh, our task. Mindfulness, of course, is the central tool. And uh, whenever we see our judging mind, we can bring gentle mindfulness to our judging mind, which is another form of life. And the more gently we, we watch our judging mind, The deeper our practice becomes. All of you are old yogis, so you know uh, the importance of the judging mind. The importance of, you know, the weight of it and the importance of working with it, of observing it, of accepting it. Refraining from taking what is not given is the second precept. Again, there are so many subtle forms, in addition to the obvious uh, refraining from stealing. But um, we can take time and attention, for instance, from other people, without even being conscious of it and we don't maybe we don't give back our time and attention so we we take and take and take and we suppress our inclination to giving or we assume we don't have any So, being mindful of our taking what is not given to us. Now, the third precept is uh, refraining from incorrect sexual conduct, which in, an, in the context of a retreat is uh, total celibacy we are asked not to read not to write we are asked to keep our mind as calm and as silent as possible so we take away any sort of uh, um, strong input what happens usually is that Because of respecting the precept of celibacy, we come to know a little bit better our sexuality because we are not acting it out. We just watch our sexual impulses in a retreat and we learn. So the precepts are not abstract commandments. They are instruments to be worked with and to be uh, refined, developed. You know, it's like a craftsman workshop, and our instruments are the precepts, the mindfulness. The fourth precept is right speech. A speech which is not false, which is not Fearful, angry, which is not judging. Again, we try to facilitate the understanding and the deepening of this precept through the rule of total silence during the retreat, except for interviews, groups. And again, through the rule of silence. We learn more about our mind. And as you all know, I'm sure, a form of purification is generated by this fasting of, of the speech. At the beginning it can be uh, Maybe we don't like it, like we don't like um, fasting when we start doing it. But then we come to enjoy it and sometimes we don't want to resume talking. At that point we have to let go of silence. Someone says uh, our addictive mind. Uh, We can experience various aspects of this quality, which the Buddha would call attachment, and a retreat. Attachment to talking before the retreat. Attachment to silence at the end of the retreat. Um, and then the fifth precept is refraining from alcohol and drugs. And the idea behind this precept Is again to take care of the clarity of our mind. All of you who've been practicing for a few years know that the mind becomes more sensitive as the time goes by because of the practice. So maybe um, before going into practice we uh, were not aware of how much affected our mind Uh, could be by uh, a beverage by alcohol by maybe a medicine but more and more the mind becomes very sensitive and we see how how little it takes for our mind to get altered to get off the uh, uh, clarity at the same time we come to appreciate more and more a clear and a calm mind. So we more and more prefer to avoid whatever uh, brings about any form of alteration, be it excitement or depression, whatever. In other words, suppose we are in an unhappy state of mind. Well, we can be in an unhappy state of mind with a clear mind. And more and more, as we practice, we prefer to be in an unhappy state of mind, with a clear mind, rather than altering that state and becoming less, a little bit less unhappy, but with a cloud of mind. We don't like that anymore. And in this tradition, this affirmation of interest for moral sensitivity goes together with the manifestation, with the expression of our central aspiration, the taking of the refuges, taking refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma and in the Sangha. The Buddha is the potential for freedom within each of us. The Dharma is the ultimate truth and freedom plus the practice, the way which leads to it. And the Sangha is the community of seekers, of spiritual seekers. You can drop the, uh, the Pali or Sanskrit name names and just think of the potential, the way, the truth, the community. Sometimes um, people experience the refuges as um, something which creates a division, like taking a membership card, uh, entering a party, becoming a a something. Now, all these are ways of division, whereas the um, purpose of the refugees is the opposite, is a unifying purpose. So whatever gets in the way of this purpose, just drop it. So uh, strange names and whatever. Now remember the gist of it, taking refuge in something different from the things we usually take refuge into. We take refuge in our projects, in our mind states, in our emotions, in our fears, constantly. Now, the taking refuge in the way to the freedom, and the wisdom, and the compassion, you know, it's like saying, well, there should be another way, the usual way of Slipping into this and that doesn't bring any happiness. So I want to manifest my intention to choose something different. I don't know, we don't know what, the, what exactly this means, this potential, this ultimate truth. We have an intuition, we follow an intuition, otherwise we would not be here. We would consider all these things as very strange things. But we're here, and maybe we're not here for the first time, and maybe we're starting, we, we, we're starting considering strange other things. And these things are getting more and more real. So affirming our interest in developing and deepening sensitivity and manifestation of our aspiration to freedom and liberation and compassion and wisdom. Sensitivity and ultimate aspiration go hand in hand. And it's good if we develop a habit to repeat, according to the form that we prefer, that we repeat the refuges when we start sitting, maybe, or every week. It, it's, you know, it, it, it becomes nourishing. It, it's part of the practice. It's not an extra. Well, again, um, the gentle way is the best way. So, in, usually, one grows into the interest for the refugees, the interest for sensitivity, precepts. It has to be an organic process. If we are just beginning practice and we don't feel particularly interested, we shouldn't blame ourselves for this. But just stay with the practice. And if we stay with the practice, this is an organic uh, and spontaneous interest which comes. A retreat is a big help in this respect and in many respects. What happens in a retreat is that a number of screens start melting away, sometimes painfully, sometimes not so painfully. Screens between our understanding, and whatever it is that happens in our body and mind. So um, uh, uh, a stronger contact, intimacy with our life is generated through the practice of retreats. It takes some patience, it takes some determination at the same time. But everything is, uh, is uh, conceived in a retreat, is thought of to be a help, to sustain our determination and to sustain our patience. The great art of a retreat, it, the best we can stay learning to stay with whatever happens in the retreat, gently and patiently. And if we feel confused, we talk to the teachers. A retreat is a powerful manifestation of the power of the sangha. See, so often when we, you start a new retreat, both as a student or as a teacher, We have some sort of a, like a relief, like an alignment. Ah. You know that sometimes sometimes it'll be difficult, but you also know that something rather rare and precious can happen because of the place, because of the people who are doing it with us. And because of all the people who already have done it, there is some sort of an imprinting. You know, suppose this little crowd here, instead of being um, made of practitioners, we're made of all sorts of distracted people. I'm not saying that we are not distracted, (laughs) but we want to accomplish something in terms of inner work and uh, this is an incredible mutual help that we're giving each other Now, whenever we, we, we begin a retreat automatically we start reminding ourselves and reminding our companions, our friends what it is that really counts that's not that frequent. A number of eighty people working together for nine days at mental purification. You know often people don't even know that there is such thing as mental purification. So it's good that we get together people who are interested in this, and who believe in this, should sustain each other because out there there is not much interest in mental purification. There is ignorance, or skepticism. So the Sangha, again, precious. Incredibly so. And again, one learns it slowly. If we can really work right from the beginning, we are doing ourselves a favor. What I'm trying to say is that since the first couple of day, the first couple of days in a retreat are usually more difficult, sometimes without even realizing it, we can uh, have the attitude of, okay, uh, let's wait for the third day. <laughs> now it's just um, um, just waiting for the time to go by. And, Um, that's not a very skillful attitude. Obviously, when we are more at ease in the retreat, and when we are more full of energy, practice is easier. That's all. But, exactly in the first few days, we have an opportunity that maybe is not there, will not be there anymore later, which is learning to be soft in the middle of fatigue and difficulty, learning the knack of generating some sweetness in the midst of fatigue, of aversive mind, of judging mind, so it's a very good opportunity. The famous first two days of a the retreat, uh, they can be the best part of the retreat. If we, if we learn this art of softening up in the midst of dryness, doubt. And um, the idea is just staying where we are using our mindfulness and recognizing the judging mind, just recognizing it. You know, the Buddha says, Mara, I've seen you, very, very factual, so judging mind, I've seen you. It's very different from believing the judging mind, or contributing to the judging mind. Now the key, the key, for more softness, and therefore for more wisdom and more compassion, is more intimate knowledge of our judging mind. To develop the right mind, the mind which is called Kamaniya in this tradition, which means flexible, workable, malleable, key is to see more and more the mind which is opposite, the mind which is hard, the mind which is closed, the mind which creates suffering. A retreat is a unique opportunity. No matter whether it's your third or your 50th. It's invaluable. You know, the amount of learning that can come from a retreat is amazing. Would you like to add?
0: To accomplish so much of what Carrado is hinting at, <clears throat> we need to be awake. And until we don't need methods, we use methods to help us stay awake. method that will be emphasized throughout this retreat uh, couldn't be more simple couldn't be more ordinary couldn't be more natural couldn't be easier to overlook and to underestimate and that is a simple fact that each and every one of us is breathing certainly we know that we're breathing and we're sitting we just did that We just saw that firsthand. Begin to notice that you're breathing while you're walking also. If you're standing, waiting in line, you're also breathing. And when you lie down tonight to go to rest, to go to sleep, you're breathing. Whether you're a man or a woman or whatever age, No matter how hot it gets or cold, we're breathing. As we move through one situation, from one situation to another, busy ones, simple ones, we keep inhaling and exhaling. This is a proven fact. Scientifically proven. And what we're going to do is take tremendous advantage of that simple fact. In principle, it's the same as any other method. Those of you who are... um, Some of you, of course, know what I'm getting at because we've been uh, practicing together for a while, but some of you are perhaps newer to this approach. If you use mental notes, the power of it is to remember to keep the mental notes going throughout the day into the evening all the time if you use the koan it's to keep that koan alive in everything that you do if it's a mantra to keep the the mantra going from the moment you wake up until you go to sleep and here it's the same principle taking advantage of something that's already happening couldn't be simpler couldn't be more ordinary couldn't be more natural each and every one of us is breathing what might be a little new for some of you I don't know is this pretty much all Buddhist forms of meditation uh, use the breath certainly to calm down and so whatever traditions you've trained in, within uh, Theravadan Buddhism or other Buddhist schools, probably, at one point or another, you've used the breath in some form to help you practice. Typically, it's used to calm down, to develop some degree of serenity. And then we drop the breath and move on to some other method all the while using attention of course. In this method, Anapanasati, full awareness of breathing, we use the breath not only to calm down but also as a gateway into wisdom as a medium, a vehicle to open up into the mind and into the body to yield insight clear and deep seeing and so it's a slightly different emphasis because you'll be encouraged to really use the breath a lot and for some of you that may be new at least to give it a try to see if this particular method is something that's useful for you there'll be much more of course to say about this and the purpose of the breath one of the purposes of the conscious breathing throughout the day is to help us practice all day long, all night long. It's to help us keep things very simple, to help us stick to this present moment, to get to see the mind that uh, doesn't like this moment sometimes and prefers dipping back into the past or imagining what the future might be like. To even follow the precepts in not a mechanical way, not as a kind of commandment, but rather as something that's done consciously, we need to be aware of the beginnings of tendencies to violate the precepts. If there weren't a natural tendency to violate what we call the precepts, we wouldn't need the precepts. So they're there to help us, help us perhaps begin to see trouble before it's full-blown, to hear it uh, beginning to cook in the mind and then before we act on it, seeing it, laying it to rest. Short-circuiting, unskillful behavior. Not feeding it or nourishing behavior that is destructive to us and to everyone else. And the breath can help us do that. because it's so simple, because it's recurrent and continuous. And so, one thread that will be running through uh, all of our work together will be a, a gentle but sustained encouragement to know that you're breathing in, to know that you're breathing out, whether you're sitting, walking, lying down or standing. And I'll be referring to this Sutra of the Buddhas, there are 16 contemplations. We won't be going through them, in a, each one in detail. But I will give you a framework, a way of, uh, of working with the breath that will touch upon all of them. Uh, a few suggestions. A retreat is a community, as Corrado pointed out. We're all practicing together we strengthen one another simply by being here but also sometimes we annoy one another the roommate can we learn to take take it all to you to really use the strength of the group to see it all as helping us when people are walking in a mindful way when uh, people are Practicing in a sustained and harmonious way, it inspires us. But if somebody annoys us if they're wearing two differently colored socks or you just don't like the way they walk or uh, see that more as a gift than as interference. Whatever it the button that's pushed is there for us to learn from. Everything we're suggesting to not read, as much as possible, ideally to not use the phone at all, to not write. I notice some of you are, are taking notes. Uh, that's a kind of leak of energy. It's not that that is in some absolute sense no good. But, uh, in a way, a retreat is a pressure cooker. What we're doing is removing all kinds of escapes, escape hatches. We're taking books away. Okay, taking talking away. Writing's another one. Writing about something that perhaps is over. This information is really available all over the place. In all, res, with all respect to Carrado and myself, you've heard it before, and you can get it in other places. So I would, you know, be polite and listen to us, or at least look as if you are. <laughs> but there's no need to write it down. There's no. This is not about accumulating information at all. The informa- What we are saying is primarily of value in that it helps you stay in the present moment. Reminds you of that in any number of ways. Reminds you of the importance of it. Perhaps inspires you when you feel discouraged or down. So please just keep it simple. Stick to the present moment. That's it. That's the heart of a retreat. Uh, just yesterday morning, I learned that uh, one of the teachers who's helped me immensely died, uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa, in Thailand. Some of you uh, have studied with him, and some of you certainly know his writings. So, personally, I would like to use this retreat as uh, as best I can, bring some of his teachings, which of course are in me now, and showing my gratitude by sharing in the clearest way i know how some teachings a lot of what i know from about anapanasati full awareness of breathing And tired so i think we'll call it an an evening right now and uh, get a good night's rest Uh, if you feel lots of energy of course no reason not to perhaps get a drink and then come back into the hall perhaps do some walking outside here in the hall but for many of us if, uh, if we're tired it's be good to get the retreat off and running a, by getting a good night's rest and then we'll meet one another again at 5:30 tomorrow morning you'll be awakened at 5 please uh, come to the hall on time stay till the end of sittings Okay, see you in the morning.